Welcome to the sermons and teachings from the Catalyst Fellowship with Ipai Michael. We hope the message you're about to listen to will edify you and cause you to experience exponential growth. And now, the message. You know, last week, you know, we started by talking about flags how to choose rightly, how to choose with God. We talked about, you know, um, um, what it means, what flags mean. And P. Mike started by introducing us to flags, you know, by giving us an example of how it was used in the, in the medieval times, like in the 18th century, where, you know, we saw how that they used it as a means of communication during wars. So, you know, we saw how that flags are typically an idiom today that I used to imply, you know, one's ability to take note of things, to, to discern, you know, those things that are not easily spoken about, like they're not explicitly, you can't, you're not explicitly, you may not explicitly see them, right? It's not as if it's written on the person's forehead that the person is dangerous, but there, there's certain checks, there's certain things that you'll be able to see, and those things will communicate to you that, okay, I think I need to take a step back from this relationship. Those are things that are called flags. They're called flags. This means that as, you know, that flags are some sort of signals to us about what we should look out for as we determine whom we should spend the rest of our lives with. They communicate to you. They, they, they give you, for example, now, you know, when you're in a, um, in for example, in a battlefield, right? When you're, they're fighting and all of that is going on when somebody raises a red flag usually we know that you know <clears throat> because we use it a lot in our day when somebody raises a flag for example a red flag it could signal to you that there's danger if it raises a white flag it might mean surrender or you know and there are other flags that could mean like victory or something those are key they're they're sorry they're discernment checks and be as a believer you must be alert we have Pimak has emphasized the fact that choosing a person to be with is an intelligent decision. As much as it is spiritual, it is also an intelligent decision. And yes, emotions are involved. You're not even casting out emotions there. You, you will feel a lot of things. But there are things that you must be able to say, okay, I think, you know, this and this, by this, this person probably doesn't have good character or doesn't know the way to treat people there are certain things that you must be able to see as a believer and it's kind of like how you choose a school to go to or a hospital you know to go to you are choosing it's not an emotional decision at all you're basing your decision on facts on facts and it's the same way it must be an intelligent decision it must be an intelligence i'll give an example of somebody i heard um um you know, someone speak about this one time where there's this lady in church, you know, serving the Lord fervent in the spirit. And there was this guy also in church, you know, seemingly also fervent in the spirit, focused on the things of God, doing all of the things that everybody is doing. Right. And they got into a relationship. Okay, she told her pastor, she said, okay, that's, you know, she has seen this brother in church, blah, blah, blah. They said, oh, I like him. He's he said I like you blah 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 and they started their relationship and all of that and maybe a year or so later they wanted to get married to the pastor and they got married one day on the day of the 
um, the day after the wedding, you know, she woke up. She was hearing something in her sleep and she just woke up, you know, where she was lying down. She woke up and she she was checking where's her husband. Uh, she looked around and then she looked down. She saw somebody lying down and his head was bowed to the ground and he was muttering something. At that point in time, you would think that is a dream. <laughs> she was muttering something and she was thinking that ah, what I'm hearing cannot be right, right? Like, I, this guy is a tongue-speaking brother. We met in church, you know, all those kinds of things. And she was hearing the person saying, Allah Akbar. She tapped the guy. It's never funny because it's not shock that would be. Marriage is a, <laughs> a one time, like one chance. And you just wake up in the morning and, you, and the, she just tapped him and said, Sir. What what is going on here? Am I dreaming? Are we playing here? And the guy is like, no, that he only came to church to come and look for wife. And that's now that he has found wife, that's just it. And my goodness. But the thing about it is this: I don't believe that there were no things that she could have seen. Like even in the place of prayer, like maybe the Lord will just hint on something. You know, just those little things. That's why we have to pay good attention. When you're in the battlefield, you must be well alert. Just like, if they, so, so, so if somebody raises a flag that, oh, we've won, oh, you're not still fighting the enemy, and or they say you retreat, you, you are still shooting, going forward, shooting, shooting. They just kill you. You know, you must be well alert. You must know what you are doing. And I believe that the Lord, there must have been some checks. There must have been some things, you know, there must have been some things that, you know, that the Lord said, okay, I think you should check on this thing or just push back a bit on your emotions and do this and do that. There must have been some signs. So because the Lord doesn't leave us helpless, he has said it in his word, God wants to guide you. God wants to lead you, right? And we've seen those things as um, um, from last week. Pastor Laju of Celebration Church will say it this way. She says that courtship is when to love intelligently. And marriage is a time to love what blindly. Because you're already inside. So just cover your eye. I love the person. Anyhow, you have collected them. Anyhow, they've, they've given it to you. Just collect it like that. You know, but courtship is a time to be intelligent. It's a time to be intelligent, to think properly, to weigh the options. To discern well. Is the Lord saying this? What's the Lord saying about this? I'm not saying we're not building people to be suspicious. We're just telling you to have discernment, to be sensitive, exactly. To be sensitive. When choosing a partner, you have to do so not just with your heart, but with your head, with your mind. And you have to do so also spiritually, supernaturally. It's not just about the roses and butterflies. Oh, I love him so much. I can't do without him. I can't sleep. I cannot eat. And truly, truly, those things do happen to people. Thank you for me. Not that you can't eat all <laughs> but you know, that you wake up in the morning. That you wake up in the morning and the first person is the first person on your mind, you know, all those kind of things. You feel all the emotions, they are there. Nobody will even deceive you. It's there. No matter how spiritual you are, it will be, it is there. Except you don't really love the person. So it will be there. You feel all the emotions. Sometimes you feel as if, you know, ah, God, I love this person with all my heart. But 
before you enter a relationship, be sensitive, be sensitive, be sensitive. You must be able to take a step back sometimes to see clearly so you don't rush into something that is not good for you. That you just put your head first instead of, you know, just taking a step back and checking. Are there signs here? Are they, you know, all of that. And this is also where God's involvement comes into play. You must choose with God. As much as God would not choose for you, We've seen examples last week. We talked about, we spoke about Adam and Eve. We spoke about Isaac and Rebecca. We spoke about Agar, right? As much as God will not choose for you, God, you know, will not force you. That's what we mean. God will not force you and say, okay, this is the only person for you in this life. You know, you have to marry this person. If you don't marry this person, that's your, that's the end. God wouldn't do that. God has given us free will, right? And he has given us a mind to choose, but you must be conscious of God's leading and guidance and the supernatural side of choosing a spouse. We examined, you know, how that just like Adam, you know, he has given you an intelligent mind to think, to see. Just like Adam, right? God brought all those animals to him. God had given him a mind, an intelligent mind. So Abraham was able to see and say, okay, this lion cannot be my helpmate. And when his helpmate came, like Adam saw, he observed and said, mm -mm, okay, this is what is right for me. Do you understand what I'm saying? God gave him a mind so that he would be able to intelligently think, intelligently choose, be objective enough to choose. And like the story of Isaac, you know, God has made himself available to guide us. See the, what happened with the, um, with the servant. The servant gave precise, you know, um, um, like requirements. Abraham first had already given him some things that, okay, these are checklists of things that you must, you must look out for when you are looking out for a wife. But he specifically told the Lord what he wanted. And Rebecca almost repeated the same thing with verbatim. You see the supernatural side of it. You see the leading of God in it, right? And we see the example of a guy where we see, an example of what we should not do as believers. We should not be unequally yoked with unbelievers and also what God will not tell you to do. God will not tell you to marry unbeliever. The Bible says that we should not be, you know, unequally yoked with unbelievers, right? So the aim of this is to show you that as much as God will not choose for you, as we have said, you know, as his child, you must see the need for his input and guidance. You must see the need. You must use your head. Yes, we are teaching you to use your head, but you must engage the supernatural because why? Marriage is a life-changing decision. It's a big choice to make. It's a big choice to make because you're, you're technically going to be with the person till death do you part. You're going to be with the person, walk with the person, you're going to raise kids with the person. You know, you're going to you know, make major decisions on where you're going to live, what kind of jobs you will do, you know, how you relate with family and relate with other people. And God must be a big and a major determinant of your choice. Don't run from this series, you know, that we've gone through and say, okay, P might say that we must use our brain, we must use our head, you know, and all you do is use your head and don't involve God. Is the, you know, there's a big likelihood that you end up in the wrong place 
it is a very, very big chance that you end up in the right place. So you need God's help to see clearly. We need the help of the Spirit to see clearly, to choose properly. And last week, you know, I'll just do a quick quick recap. Some of the things that we spoke about that um, P. Mike, you know, opened us to when it comes to wrong ways to pick a partner. Number one is having the wrong criteria, having the wrong criteria. I've come to believe that one of the reasons why, or a major reason why we fall into this trap, which we will discuss as we go on, is a problem of identity and purpose. I believe that when you're not clear on these two things, you make decisions anyhow. You will make decisions anyhow. Anyhow they come, you just go with the wind, go with the flow. Because there's nothing that really holds you or grips you you know, or forms your set of beliefs or mindset about how to choose, how to make decisions, how to choose, what's, what to see in a person to be able to say, okay, okay, these are, are the things that I want in my partner. Does this person match? You know, all of those things. Your first responsibility as a believer or as a person is first to yourself to make a list of godly and logical criteria. Two things, godly and logical realistic criteria i spoke with someone i think it was was it last week also you know um i spoke with someone last week and the person was saying that um the person was like um that she wants she described a dream man to me and she was like um she wants a trinidad you know, kind of guy. He has an indie accent. The way she wants him to talk, he should also be a medical doctor. You know, things like that. <laughs> you are <laughs> where you will find the person. I don't know. You know, as why you give an example during um uh and young and free when she talked about somebody that said that the person wanted a medical doctor, a, an half-cast medical doctor that can also um, I was about to say speaking tongues, sorry, but can also speak Yoruba. She wants how where are you going to find that person? Chances are you will find you can find an half caste person. The person may not speak Yoruba, but she also wants it to be handsome and all of that, you know. He has six packs, you know, it's has chiseled this thing, yeah, it's chin. How do they used to call it? Like it drops one type of way. There's a way that's anyways. Let me not start describing. For a sharp job. Sharp. Thank you. So there's a, there's a there's a there's some expectations. I'm like, what exactly are you looking for? Is this a beauty store? What a beauty contest? <laughs> what are we doing here? Some guys, you know, just want this hourglass lady. There's a very let me tell you something. The way life works is this. I don't have so much experience, but I'll just tell you what I've heard from Pastor Laju. So, you know, it's not just based on me. There's a very big chance that a lot of the things that we put, most especially when it comes to physical, you know, um, physical, um, what they call qualities that we're looking for, you won't find everything. You might find, for example, that person wants Trinidad in the accents, you know, you might find, you might, you might, just might. Because they're not plenty, but you might find a Trinidad person that is not handsome or, and does not have more, it's not a, a medical doctor like you want, does not have money. Then you take him like that or you leave him. 
you might find <laughs> and some is not Trinidad, is a black man. You might find, you know, those qualities are, I'm not saying that you should now shorten your expectation, that it's not good to have um, expectations. We'll talk about that. But let them be realistic. All your focus, your, you know, for, for why you or who to be in relationship, which shouldn't all be physical attributes. Because P. Mike said something very profound last week. He said that if you're looking for a woman or a man who will spoil you up to good works, who would pray with you, who would submit to you and love you to raise your kids together, then nothing about the size of her lips or her hips or the, the shape of her head, the, the way his hair falls or the way his eyes are, you know, they glitter like the stars. You know, all this is nothing about that tells you that he can speak it tongues. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing about those things tells you that, you know, it will help you fulfill the purpose of God for your life. Nothing. Because features as emotions are, are very fleeting. Pack two, six pack today will become pot belly tomorrow. It's just what it is. I saw a video of a man, you know, it was... Um, um, I think it was out with his family swimming. So someone asked me a question. He had a very big pot belly. Someone asked me a question. He said, how, um, how many years? He pointed the mic and he said, how many years? The guy said, oh, yes, pregnant? He said, yes. Like, I've been pregnant for 20 years because the stomach is big. <laughs> so big. God knows. Maybe he started all chiseled. You know, you know, he used to go to the gym, do everything. And he was like this buff guy. As time went on, he married, he got kids, he got comfortable, things changed. I'm not saying that you should now relax, so I beg. I'm not saying that you should now relax, you don't now look good, you're not be looking fat and your pot belly at 20, at the age of 20, like you know. But just don't base all your expectations or life on those kind of criteria. <clears throat> Number two, looking in the wrong places is another reason why people choose wrong and i believe that this is a result of number one when you have the wrong criteria you will choose you will go to anywhere to find a spot if all you're looking for is six pack just go to gym there are plenty there and there's a very zero there's a 0 0.0100000 chance that you'll find one of them that has six pack as a tongue-speaking believer that is uh, serious with god as fervent in the spirit you know things like that 0.00001. What are the odds? Because you're not looking in the right places because you have the wrong criteria. All of it is physical. If you're a guy, you're looking for shower shaped, you know, individual, you're just looking on the streets. Anybody that passes like, it, you're the one for me. God answered it. <laughs> I see it. You know, those are the things that you will just find yourself doing. And like I said before, I believe strongly that this is a question of identity and purpose. Also, people ask the wrong questions. You ask the wrong questions when you are dating. <clears throat> Myself and my P Mike never really had a talking stage per se. We just had like a, you know, we were friends before and all of that. But when we decided that we we're going to date and said that, okay, we are doing this thing, we had a crash course of, um, talking stage will be asked all the important questions okay after we when we start by this where are we going to are we getting married in the next two years you know are we moving here because it's, it's very important 
all those questions don't just spend all your time asking oh what do you eat today uh what's the color of your nail well your eyes oh my god i i noticed your eyebrow today this type of that you just spend the whole time you are talking for six hours all you are just doing is features talking this talking different kind of funny funny things you will land in the gutter <laughs> do the exercise thank you <laughs> You know, and those things are important. And no, sorry. I'm gonna say something, some of those questions are good to ask, not important. There's some of those questions that are good to ask. They, they are good conversation and um, enablers. When you start from, oh, the color of your eyes. Oh, what's the color of your eyes? Oh, some of the questions just pop up because sometimes <clears throat> when I talk to the person on the phone, sometimes it does get boring. Just know it's not every time that's going to be all flowers and rainbow, you know. So it's not that you really don't have anything to say or to do, and sometimes you know is that low. So when you start with oh the color of your eyes, I noticed this thing today, and this thing the, the conversation now begins to go. But those are not the important things. Those are not the things you start from. You can't. You shouldn't start dating somebody you don't have. You're not seeing or courting somebody you're not seeing the possibility of marriage. Pimak has told us what courtship is or, or dating should look like in you know for us as believers you must be able to see an end of marriage do you understand you must be able to see an end of so ask good questions ask about their family ask about their background about their you know what they are doing what their passions are you know talk talk about how they are doing money is that my money your money you know girls we're well, okay when they say you did what you want because they say is your money my money but we don't like to ask, is my money our money or your money? Or is it just my own money? Talk about things like that. Are we going to have a joint account? Are we going to put all our money in joint accounts? So that you don't wake up tomorrow and say that, ah, I don't, this day I cannot even buy clothes. I cannot even treat myself. You don't want to call my money, all those kind of things. I'm blaming each other. Ask those questions. Are we going to sleep in the same room when we get married? Before, you know, you get married and then you just see two two um two different doors the guy will just enter one door to you enter and you you're like ah did we ever discuss this and the guys like ah, that's how my parents were raised and you're like you don't know that kind of relationship and things like that those questions are important to ask some people like it i've heard somebody that says that oh like, he believes that you know that's going to make their marriage interesting I don't like, I don't understand that concept. I don't know what it is. But those questions are important to ask. Are you getting what I'm saying? Ask the right questions. Another reason is good, ignoring good counsel. Ignoring good counsel. We make this mistake a lot. I'm sorry to say, but especially ladies. <clears throat> especially, I'm very, very sorry. I'm a lady too, so. Especially ladies, because sometimes we get so caught up in the, our emotions and our friends. God, give me, there are people in our life. I'm not saying you throw your business out to everybody. What I'm saying is this: there are people in our lives that God has placed in our lives that can help us make wise and guided decisions. For example, your pastor, number one, your spiritual head, you know, is the shepherd. The meaning of shepherd, you know, is talking like a, like a guide. We see the picture of it in scripture, you know, or even just in natural life, how shepherd guides the sheep. That's it, guiding you, you know. Then you have 
good spiritual relationships. And number three is good friends. I'm sorry. Number three is your local assembly, <clears throat> your local church, the people that God has put there. There are people that can give you wise counsel. If you ignore wise counsel, you can end up in, you know, the gutters. And you don't want to do that. <laughs> you don't want that for yourself. Hallelujah. You don't want that for yourself. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 11, verses 14. Proverbs chapter 11, verses 14. Is this my first Bible passage? Okay. Just so that it looks that I know you, Bible. Proverbs chapter 11, verses 14. We are going to read a couple of scriptures as we go on. Proverbs 11, 14. It says, where no counsel is, the people what the people fall. It says, but in the multitude of counsel, there is safety. Multitude of counsel, there is safety. Hallelujah. So, you know, you need to open yourself up to good and counsel as well from the Holy Spirit. There'll be nudgings, there'll be inclinations. You need to be sensitive enough to receive those instructions, to receive, you know, the word of the Lord, to receive it. Hallelujah. To receive it, open your mind up to be instructed by God, be instructed by people that he has placed over you. This is why accountability is very, very important. Don't run on your own without seeking counsel. Don't run on your own without seeking counsel. Hallelujah. So as we, you know, go into, you know, the word of God today, I'm just going to be starting my, my teaching because I just did a recap. But as we go into the word of the Lord today, I want us to examine this, just think about these things and open ourselves up to the word to just be corrected. We have seen the wrong ways. So as we begin to see the right things, we must open ourselves to the word. We must be ready to be corrected. We must be ready to be instructed. So let's start this way. Open your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16, a very popular scripture. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Open your Bibles. Hallelujah. Amen. I hope you are being blessed. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. The Bible says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and instruction in righteousness. So the word of God is what is given by inspiration, is God breath. Hallelujah, is inspired fully by the Spirit of God. And that inspiration is profitable for doctrine. And the word doctrine there is didascalia, which means teaching. It's profitable for our teaching, for our indoctrination in God, for our learning. Hallelujah. And then he says it's profitable also for reproof. Um, reproof is talking about is a word um, for, in the Greek, means Evidence, it implies like giving proof for something, giving evidence for something. So the word of God is, it means that the body of scripture is enough to give you evidence for what you believe and evidence for why you believe what you believe. So as you are being taught, right, as you are being indoctrinated, you see your teacher will help you see through scripture how, you know, what he is saying is being backed up by scripture. This word of God must be must give evidence for itself, hallelujah. It does give evidence for itself. Number three, which is what we're focusing on, is correction, correction. The Greek word there implies a straightening, a straightening, correction, like to, to put things right, to put things in place, to put things in place. 
Therefore, based on the instruction, based on the teachings, the indoctrination of the word of God, we are put straight in the areas where there are inconsistencies. There are things that, you know, need to be walked on. The word of God is there to put things straight. That's, this is exactly what Paul calls the renewing of the mind. In Romans chapter 12, verses 2, it says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why am I saying all of this? Now, you know, P. Mike taught us and, and started out, you know, um, at the beginning of the series, the very first sermon, I talked about romanticism, you know, how, you know, the world has played a role in teaching us love in quotes. And the world has many ideologies about a lot of things. Like, you just check Google today, who is God? You see thousands and different kinds of, different kinds of, you know, opinions about the person of God or who is Jesus. Jesus is even the, you know, the bone of contention many times. There's some people that believe in God. They don't believe in Jesus. Some people believe that Jesus is, I've met a few people that say that Jesus is black. Some people say Jesus is white. Like somebody almost fought me one day because it's like, what kind of Jesus am I preaching? Blah, blah, blah. And I, I, Jesus is black. I said, sir, do you shall believe? Whether it's black or white, <laughs> do, you, do you believe in the gospel? Did you die for your sins? If it's black, it's gray. This shall die for you. Do you get? You know, people have so many ideologies about the Holy Spirit, you know, about different things, about the faith, even, even as little as, you know, how to, to, to go about, you know, learning a skill or something. People have different opinions. And because we have so much information in the world, there's a lot of confusion that's birthed a lot of confused people. I saw a video, you know, a couple of days ago where a lady was saying how that she was so convinced that, you know, she's getting married to a blanket. I've seen very, very weird videos. She says she's getting married to a blanket and she has a, um, she has a wedding planner. The wedding planner was sitting down beside her, a blanket. And, you know, she was talking to the um, interview or how convinced she is that the blanket keeps her warm you know and she believes that when they, they when they first met you know that she knew they knew that and um, she knew that she was they would, I don't want to say that <laughs> that's confusing me she knew that the blanket was meant made for her was meant for her that she has had a lot of other blankets but this is the one this is the confusion in the world somebody has said he's married to his car i've seen weird things one human being very has you know you look at the person you say the person should have sense and then you just see the person rubbing fence i saw it one time rubbing fence this is the love of my life you know i've come to i've identified as this 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 and those information that i've i've caused the those informations have caused a lot of confusion for people and we must be sure of what we believe we must be sure of what the word of god says hallelujah we must renew our mind we must not allow the the information of the world to dictate how we interpret the scriptures rather we must allow the information in the word to dictate how we interpret things in the world i'll say that again you must not allow the world the the influence of the world, the understanding of the world on any subject to influence your understanding and interpretation of the word of God. But you must allow the word of God to influence everything 
your understanding, your relationship, how you relate with everything in the world. It must be first and based on the word of God. The word must renew our mind because there's certain ideologies we've picked up, whether we knew it or we don't know, because we are all product of influences. Take it like that. The way you walk, the way you talk, you know, your mannerisms, there's some things you must have seen somewhere like, okay, I want to be like this, you know, I want to present myself this way, you know. Consciously or unconsciously, you have picked up things from different places, from different people, right? But we must be sure to have the right influences. And the word of God is the start, is where we start from. Remember, I'm talking about correction, the renewing of our mind. So we must be sober enough. The Bible says that we should receive the word, the engrafted word in meekness, soberness, soberness and meekness. Right, it talks about in in First Corinthians talks about ideologies that are fighting with the word, fighting against the knowledge of God, and they must be pulled down. Those strongholds must be pulled down, and it is by the teaching and the hearing of the word. I will give you an example in scripture of you know um, how a, an idea of the world was presented and how Jesus saw the 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 ideal of the kingdom. The ideal of the kingdom, because there are certain things that uh, let me let me not go at it myself. Let's just open our Bibles to Mark chapter ten, verses thirty-seven to forty-five. Can somebody read for me very quickly? Mark chapter ten. We're reading from thirty-seven to forty-five. Mark chapter ten. Anybody? Somebody reading for me? Verse what, ma? Verses thirty-seven to forty-five. May I read? Yes, anybody could read. Yes. Okay, so it says, they said unto him, grant unto us that we may sit one at thy right hand and the other on thy left hand in thy glory. But Jesus said unto them, ye know not what he asked. Can ye drink of the cup that I drink of and, and be baptized with baptism that I am baptized with? And they said unto him, we can. And Jesus said unto them, ye shall indeed drink of the cup that I drink of and with baptism that I am baptized with all shall ye be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared. And when the ten had it, they began to be much displeased with John, James and John. But Jesus called them to him and said unto them, Ye know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and their great ones exercise authority upon them. But so shall it not be among you. But whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister, and whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be servant of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Hallelujah. Thank you very much, Mark. So we see this picture of two people who came to Jesus, two of the disciples <clears throat> who came to him and said, they said, you know, so they're like, Master, you know, I want to sit at your right hand. And I want to say, this one like, God, I want to sit at your left hand, you know. And when we read, in context, first of all, we understand that when he talks about right hand side or right hand and all the figurative expressions for authority, right? We know we have been taught. I don't want to go over it today. But, you know, and as we read in context, we would actually see very plainly that they were talking about a place of rulership or authority. And so that means that they were, they wanted to rule with Jesus. And I believe that because 
they had they still had a political mindset about Jesus. So we can see that even after the resurrection of Jesus, they had um they had an idea still <laughs> that Jesus was going to deliver Israel, he was going to have a political rule, you know, and cause the Romans to to get their hands off the Israelites and you know do this whole revolution. And in Acts chapter one, I don't remember exactly the verse, but they asked him from verses three, I think it's verse six. When you see from verses one and verses three, you know, Jesus, you know, when they started, oh, sorry, Jesus resurrected. And the Bible says that he taught them for 40 days, you know, things concerning himself. And he did, he, 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 you know, he taught them, he expounded unto them, go back to Luke chapter 24, expounded unto them the things concerning himself, the things from Moses, from Genesis down to Malachi, Jesus had a whole teaching session, you know, showed them to scripture, what his kingdom was about, who he is, what he was about, and everything, everything. After that session, you know, they're like, Lord, you're a great teacher, but when are you going to, you know, bring this kingdom, you know, and have this political reign? And Jesus is like, ah, for you, it is not so, you know. So there are certain ideologies they still had. And they said, I want to sit at your right hand. I want to sit at your left hand in glory. You know, they were definitely not talking about talking about his resurrection here because they didn't even believe that he was going to die. You remember when Peter was like, ah, Lord, you won't die, you, that you will not die. God forbid that you will die, you know. And Jesus had to, you know, um, rebuke him. So they could not have been talking about, you know, sitting at his right hand in glory here. They must have been talking about a governance, a rule when he has his political role. And Jesus now began to correct their mindset about it. Verses 42, it says, but Jesus called them to him because they went when Jesus told them that, you know, can you drink of my cup and all of that? Can you go through my suffering? And Jesus said, he says, he called them back. He says, ye know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them. So Jesus is showing us here that what they were asking for was to be able to exercise lordship, to be able to have that political rule or to have that rulership, right? And he says, and their, their um, great ones exercise authority upon them, but so shall it not be amongst you. It's Jesus corrected them. The ideology of the world, the Gentiles is like this, but this is not how it is in the kingdom. This is not how it is in the kingdom. He says, so shall it not be for you. He says, but so, I'm sorry, um, but whosoever will be great among you, what shall be a minister? Minister means servant. You will serve. The Greek word there in, literally implies a waiter. You are waiting on somebody to do his bidding. That's a minister. And then he says, for the son of man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give him his life as a ransom for many. So the ideology of governance, the ideology of rulership, the ideology of leadership in the world is different from what the word of God presents here. And that is why I mentioned it before, that the word of God must be our basis for every topic, our basis for every, every ideology. Hallelujah. So as we speak on relationships, Open your mind to receive the engrafted word of God with meekness. As we examine, you know, 
what are the flags, what are the negotiables, what are the non-negotiables, you know, receive the word of God. Open your mind up to the word of God. Let it break down every ideology and mindset that you've had that is contrary to the word of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So there are two things as we begin. <laughs> the two things that I want us to, you know, first address when it comes to making the choice of a spouse. Two things. And I believe very strongly that this on a general, these two things on a general note are supposed to help you to, you know, in life's decisions generally, because they help you to choose what side you're on. For example, now, if you're in a war zone, going back to the example of the flags, if you're in a war zone and, you know, you have no idea where you're supposed to stand, like what side you're on, if a person raises a flag at your right hand, to retreat to these people, you might follow the enemy camp with them and they will end up killing you if you don't know what side you're on, right? So these two things help you to put perspective to life, help you to, to, to be decisive, to be focused, to, you know, to know what you're doing basically when it comes to choosing a spouse so that you can properly discern what flag this is. Is it for me? Is it not for me? Does it mean I should forge ahead does it mean i should withdraw hallelujah does it mean i should even go near the battlefield at all hallelujah so the first thing we're going to talk about is identity first thing we're going to talk about is identity who really are you i believe is a very the question on identity is a very important question in making life's decisions generally you must know who am i what am i here for like what is my life about? Who am I? Who really am I? You must be able to ask and give an answer to this question as you consider your journey in life and also in your choice of spouse. Let's open our Bibles to James chapter 1, verses 22. James chapter 1, verses 22 to 25. God help me. I, I need to begin to rush. James chapter 1, verses 22 to 25. And the word of God says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror for he observes himself goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he um, he was but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty continues and continues in it he says and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work this one will be blessed in what he does. So now James begins to show us, just like P. Mike had shown us before, that the word of God can be a mirror for you. And the way um, the word of God, um, the heading is just two things to consider, two things to consider first as you make your choice on a spouse, I believe. Yeah, two things to consider. Um, so what was I? Yes, the word of God can be a mirror for you, right? As P. Micah said, you, you, the word of God is a mirror, not can be. It is a mirror. The Bible has made it clear here. So this means that as you read the word of God daily, as you check the word of God, as you see the word of God, as you study the word of God, you, there's something that you are expected to see in there. Going back to that verse 23, the Bible says that, it talks about a natural face 
in the mirror. What is that natural face? That he says you are beholding a natural face in the mirror. He's not talking about face without makeup. There's something he's talking about there. You know, in the Greek, it's Genesis prosopon, right? Which means it refers to an original face, you know, or an original appearance or, you know, a face from birth. So it in, John, I'm sorry, James is implying that when you see the word of God, there's something, there's an original and at all, um, how would I put it? An initial design of God. It says, like the word Genesis talks about from the beginning, right? That's what Genesis is like from the beginning, from this is the original plan of God. There is the way that God has made us to be right so when we look into the word of god what is what you should first see is that original design is that original design what is god's original intention about there what is i'm not just i'm not looking at the word of god to see my imperfection but to see who he has made me to be so i can correct myself so i can align myself you know vitally because God has already given us his nature. He has already done all, all those things in Christ Jesus. But you, he says, like, just like he says here, he says, but when you're a hearer alone, that is, you go to the mirror, you just look at it, you forget the kind of man that you are. He says, you are deceiving yourself. The word there is talking, de de deception there is not um, like an, what we think in English, it means that you are acting beside yourself, like you're acting out of character. That's what deceiving yourself means. You're acting out of character. And the word forgets there, like as if you forget what kind of a person you are, is not saying that you're, um, you, it leaves your memory. It's kind of like a walking away from who you are in a sense, you know. So, when you don't know who you are in Christ Jesus, you now begin to be act beside yourself. Your identity determines a lot. Because when you act beside yourself, you begin to have the wrong criteria, which will lead to choosing in the wrong places, or be going to the wrong places, which will lead to, um, and what was the other thing that we mentioned? Choosing, uh, going to the wrong places, it also include um, asking the wrong questions and ignoring counsel is a vicious cycle. Your identity is found in Jesus. That's where our nature is. So you must be convinced of it. Why? Because it slim fits the pool of fish in the sea for you. It draws a line and says, okay, these are the people that you can, you know, partner with, be yoked with when it comes to choosing a, a spouse. And these are the people that you cannot. So it shortens your line, you know, your search. It makes it more precise. Your identity makes it more precise. The second thing I'll talk about is purpose. Purpose. Purpose will expose you to people that are going your direction. The Bible says, can two walk together except they agree? In Amos 3.3. So purpose will help you walk with people that are going, that agree with you, agree in values, agree in in mindsets you know in ideologies in purpose in in everything in everything that you need to do that is important or vital for your choice you know you make decisions you have a um a 
pool of choice of people that are heading your way. So you're not just you're not just you're not just saying that oh if anybody comes your way that's this is why one of the reasons why anybody that comes your way just becomes a potential spouse for you or a potential boyfriend or girlfriend because you're not really examining the important things. What's the where's the person headed? That's why you must ask those questions when you're in talking state. Where are you going? What are you doing? Fine, the person must not have everything figured out, but you must know at least, you know, this is what I want to do. This is what God has called me to do, you know. And then do, do, do those things, those values, the purpose, does it align? Does it agree before we begin to make this decision? Hallelujah. So this is very important for us because your identity and purpose gives you values and points you to places that really matters, point you to people, you know, and places that really matter. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Do we understand? Yes, so yes, you must settle yes, these things. Yes. Hallelujah. You must settle these things in your mind. Who am I? Who am I? Where am I going? What is, you know, my purpose in this life? And as you, you know, begin to examine those things, you begin to put yourself in a place where you can say, okay, you can sift the people that are coming towards you. I, you know, maybe because I use the word sift now, but I don't mean any shade whatsoever. But Pimak has used the opportunity that he has had and the privilege that he has had to talk about relationship to expose me in the open, right? And maybe today I'll, <laughs> I can't defend to myself. <laughs> Why is your camera on, sir? You're not here before. I can, you know, exonerate myself. When I told Tim Mike, I said, you know, somebody comes to you and just says that, oh, the person likes you, blah, 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 and everything. And you, me, I'm a very focused human being. <laughs> very, very focused and intentional. And I said that I will not marry anybody that is not more spiritually, you know, um oriented than I am because I'm looking for a spiritual leader. That's the mindset of the Bible. Like he said, we should submit to husband as you know, as submit to Christ, right? We must be able to submit to his leadership. Uh-huh. And I told him, I said, I cannot put myself in a situation whereby I don't you don't know where you're going. I don't know where I'm going. Right. And you know, so that discussion was based on I knew what I wanted. I was not just going to say, okay, maybe because you like me, I will now. And my, anyway, I don't want to explain myself too much, but my crush used to last like, it can last one minute. I can see one guy very fine. I just hear him talk. I'm like, ha, see me, what happened? How did you like this person? <laughs> How did you like this person? Because there's certain things I was looking for that were really, really, the most important things and that's how you must you must think you must think like that so as we you know um so what are the things how do i choose a spouse now what are the right things to to do as i begin to choose a spouse now that i've seen the wrong things the wrong ways i we have examined the two things i must consider my identity i must consider identity i must consider purpose so what are the things I must do now, you know, um, to choose a spouse wisely. Number one, be the right person. Be the right person. 
before you come up with a checklist of what you like or what you want, what the person must smell like, how the person must eat, eat, sorry, how the person must sound, how the person must carry himself or herself, you know, all those many, many things. Are you the person that that person, that person you're writing, that list, person from Trinidad, you want him to be a doctor, a, you know, you know, a tongue-speaking believer, fire-branded, you know, ministry, you know, at the time you're getting married, you must be successful, all those plenty, 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 plenty things. Are you a person that that person wants to marry? That's a question that you have to ask yourself. You have to be the right person. You don't want to meet that person that you are all like, have fantasized about all your life. And then the person is all successful and everything. And the person cannot even look at your direction because you're not a person they can be attracted to. Do we understand that? So you have to work on yourself. Be the right person. Be the right person. Thank you, Lois Samari. Are you your specs? Spec. Be the right person. Work on yourself. If you want somebody, you know, that you can have intelligent um, discussions with, do you know two plus two? All those things. Like, do are you? I'm sorry to use that example. Very sorry. <laughs> but do you? Do you? Are you somebody that the person can have? an intelligent discussion with. Do you understand? You know, if the person, you're looking for people that, you know, someone that is working, someone that's successful, are you at least, do you at least have a job? Do you have something you are doing? You know, to be able to even meet somebody that is successful, because if you sit down in your house all day, you know, eating and, you know, just told the Lord that, and tell people that God's going to bring the guys to my doorstep. You know, and all of that, you sit back and you have a list, a checklist of all that you want in the person. You have misread. You probably never see that person. And if you do see the person, the person might not even look your way because you're not even near what the person wants. Right? I mean, no shade to anybody, but you need to like work on yourself. Work on yourself. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 18, verses 24, Proverbs chapter 8, verses 24, it says, A man that had that have friends, must show himself friendly. Show yourself friendly. If you want, you know, to attract this kind of people, I'm not saying you should not be deceptive. We don't, we're not teaching that. I'm just saying that at least show growth, show development. Hallelujah. If you want somebody that is cool-headed, you walk on temper. If you are not somebody that, you know, we believe the best of you, I believe the best of us. We have the nature of God. Hallelujah. Amen. But if you want somebody that's calm, and you, you are still, every small thing, you are just shouting, no, I cannot take it. No, you cannot do like this to me. Blah, blah, blah. You, <laughs> you won't, you will not be able to, that relationship will not be, you, the person will be frustrated. The person will be frustrated. You just frustrate the person out of your life. So you, you need to make yourself the right person. Make yourself the right person because there's a lot that you need to work on in relationship. You will not be perfect. Neither will the person be perfect, right? But you must be able to work on yourself. Let's see that you're doing some things. Let's see that you're teachable. You, you can learn these things. Let's see that you're learning certain skills. You're you are growing, right? You're doing all those things to become better. Number two, know what you want and want the right things. We have spoken a lot about, you know, already about spec of your dreams you know the kind of 
these things, all these ephemeral things. I'm not saying that you should marry someone that is physically appealing to you. You have to, I believe that is very important. Well, I'm just pointing your attention to what is most important. What is most important? Ask yourself, like, are these things the right things? The things that I want, the lists that I have made of the 1,000 things I want to see in this man that's going to come my way. It must, ah, at the moment that I see him, that he's going to be wearing this kind of suit. It must be, his eye must be this color. His hair must be shiny. You know, it must be, all, of, all those things can be learned. All those things can be learned. But they're not what is important. They're not the most, sorry. They're not the most important things. You see, when you're, you're building your criteria, first start from the things that matter. Start from the things that should be at the top of your priority. And those things that must be the right things. Like we said before, nothing about a person's shape, size, will tell you whether the person is a good matchup for you or not. I know some people don't want to marry short people, like some girls don't want to marry short guys, you know, and like that. You know, guys can marry short girls. I don't know, people have different weird preferences. Anyways, I'm not saying, don't let me confuse myself, but what I'm saying <laughs> is, you know, you must be sure that your criteria, the criteria you're putting all out there matches the job description. If you're looking, for example, if you're looking for a teacher to teach you math, it doesn't matter whether he's good at tennis or any other sport. What, is, what matters to you is that he can teach math, right? Because that's what is core. That's why you are employing him. So look for the things that are the most important. Look for the things that are most important. And this is also, you see how purpose and identity like intertwines with all of these things. It intertwines. When you understand purpose, when you understand who you are, your identity, you'll be able to prioritize rightly. You'll be able to make sure that the things that you want are the most important things. Like I said, you, you know, have, you know, they should be good looking. You know, everybody wants to marry somebody that is good looking, at least presentable, right? But first, what's the most important thing? Look out for like character. Look out for a heart for service. Look out for his teachability. Don't marry somebody at the end of the day. You know, it cannot be he or she cannot be corrected. You're you're in for it if you marry somebody like that because there's no way forward anymore. The both of you cannot grow together. This is a roadblock when you meet people that are, you know unteachable like that's just it they cannot be entreated by the word of god by entreated by good counsel no just stay like go your way go your way so look out for those things teachability intelligence you know also we have spoken about what the person is doing right now purpose passion character is more important than looks more important than looks because everything at some point will drop one day, you know, everything will fade away. So choose what is right. Want the right things. As you build your list, think about it clearly. Okay, are these the important things? Are these what I should be putting out there? Will this attract the people that will help me fulfill purpose? Will help me grow? 
as a believer. Number three, know God's will about relationships. Know what's God's will about relationships. What's God's idea about relationships? As I begin to, you know, choose you know, a spouse or look out for um, somebody I want to get married to. Understand what's God's mindset. The movies have painted a picture for us, you know, that uh, you cannot, you know, I, I at some point, I know people probably know this, um, what's the title of this series? Scandal. Somebody probably has watched it here before. I find myself that, you know, they just give paint you a, they paint a picture where it looks like when there's love, when you're on the emotion, there's no self-control. You just be going, 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 going. So there's this person, the person, the president, um, and there's this other, this lady he met as he's working and he was attracted to her and he's supposed to be a responsible man with a family, with children. And because he's attracted to a lady, he can't think, he cannot move forward, he cannot do any other thing. That is not the way of God. Understand what God says about relationships. What's God's will? What's God's idea? We cannot blindly follow Bollywood and Hollywood. Those are not, they don't even know what love is. And that's the truth. Because God is love. And if they don't know God, they don't know love. It's that simple. So know what God's idea is. Know what God's idea of marriage is. Again, we see here how your identity speaks to your ideology of marriage. And it stems from, you know, where you, you hail from, like where you come from. And you come from God. The Bible says that we read these scriptures. You are born of God. So because you are born of God, the Bible says in Galatians chapter 5, verses 1, it says as dear as little children, it says to imitate God as little children. The right uh, um, rendition of that would be to imitate him because you are now children. You are his children. 